Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Getting through the week? Uh, <clears throat> as always, want to remind you, my uh, my big my big reminders, uh, self-care, self-care, self-care. Remember, hitting all those different senses, looking out for some joy and pleasure. I've been eating at nighttime a lot of non-dairy vegan ice cream. God, I love eating my feelings. Why? Because we're not worried about putting weight on. We're worried about our mental health. And that often means indulging, giving ourselves a break. Um, so I've been doing a lot of that. I've been staying connected. I make sure I connect socially with at least three people every single day. It's important for my mental health. I'm an introvert. And I still feel really good and need to do that. I need to be reminded that I'm not alone on this planet. I need to be reminded that I'm not the only one self-isolating. So um, I'm hitting the food, the foods that feel good to me. I am not battling that. When fat phobia says to me, don't eat the ice cream or the pizza, I absolutely make sure I do because I'm not going to internalize and live by these rules that in order to be healthy or hot or sexy or whatever it is, that I need to look a certain way. Nope, not going to happen. I'm doing exercising. I'm doing home workouts. Why? I want healthy bones. I want a healthy heart. I have heart disease in my family. So I'm moving my body every day that helps decrease anxiety and depression and um, lots of distractions, checking out as much as possible, putting on my headphones, blasting my music, laying in my bed. I like candles sometimes, you know what I mean? Doing what I got to do. And I, I say all this to uh, support y'all in taking time to do that. That's what's so beautiful. Uh, music, working at a radio station is really, I promise you, I say this with true, true, true uh, seriousness. The radio station that I work for has been so meaningful in that it brought me back to music. I, I, I grew up loving music, and for whatever reason, it just drifted away. It was something that no longer really played an important role in my life. And then working through the, at the radio station, and God bless her, Nicole Alvarez, she's one of the you know iconic hosts over at K-Rock. She was one of the people that reminded me of how you know, transformative and transportative it can be. She would tell me, she would send me these songs and say, drive home, open the windows, and just blast it and let it take you somewhere. And I was like, oh my God, you gifted me music again. And so what I do is I put on my earphones and no matter where I am, standing in line somewhere, at home, I can transport myself to somewhere else. I'm distracting, I'm coping, it's meditative for me. You know what I mean? I'm not in my thoughts. I'm not stressed out or worried about anything. I am I, existing while not existing. It's such, such a stunning thing. It, it, it calms my nervous system, right? It keeps my mind occupied and I can feel it in my body and it moves through me. And so try that, bring that in. It's all about the senses. So that's sound, right? And I like the dark. 
That's the visual, the removal of the visual. But other people maybe want to light a candle or mute and put on a movie and just watch the imagery or even sometimes screensavers. I, I love letting those screensavers pop up where it's like the fish tank or the fire and you're playing your music and you're just checked out. Maybe you want to add some smell. I love essential oils. Grapefruit is my favorite. I put a, three drops in my hand, rub them together and just put it up to my face and I inhale diffusers, flowers, just it's all about the senses, even touching yourself. We do have this real thing called skin hunger, touch hunger, intimacy craving, where we need that. We can do that by massaging ourselves. I've noticed a lot recently at home, I'm wearing a lot of tank tops um, and I'll just rub my arms. I'll put my, I'll kind of hug myself and just rub my arms and it, and it feels really good. God bless my little cat. She can't sand it, but I'll go up and give her these big bear hugs and just snuggle the crap out of her. She can't deal, but you know, that's what happens when you're self-isolating. You know, I'm in a relationship with someone, it's long distance. We, we do our best to see each other, but we're following COVID protocols. Um, they live in another, in another country. <laughs> Bad timing. I know. We're going to figure it out, though. Uh, there will be an L.A. relocation in the future. Um, but nonetheless, nonetheless, um, there's a lot that we have accessible to us that is low cost or free that can help us really get our mental health needs met. And, uh, you know, we're dropping the bar, we're letting things go, we're not doing our best, we're doing 60% max, dropping expectations, dropping them on others as well, letting go a little bit, just trying to get through the rest of the year. The vaccines are coming, that is that, that makes me feel so good and so safe. Uh, won't be for a while though, so we still gotta keep wearing those masks, which for me has become such a built-in part of my life, I can't even imagine not wearing them. I've actually come to enjoy them, but again, that's the introvert in me. It makes me feel a little more protected and distant from people. I live in a big city, I'm here in LA, people everywhere. So I put on my headphones, put on my mask, heaven. You might you might see me doing that moving, moving into the future even when COVID's gone because I don't want any cold or flu. And I'm one of those people where I touch my face a lot. I tend to get every cold and flu that goes around every season. I don't want that anymore. So um, I might be rocking that mask forever. I got a good one. You know what I mean? So anyway, uh, got a great show planned for you. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about love languages. And what does it mean when we apply them, though, to ourselves and how we relate to ourselves and also to self-care? It's kind of an interesting uh, flip and redo. And then we're going to be talking about how to be a good ally. I know, we have to work on that. All exploited, marginalized identities and individuals need our help, right? It's on those that have privilege to start to make those changes, especially if in your family or social circle, you're at the top of that chain. You're in that position where you get to really have that positive trickle-down effect. So, anywho, we'll be talking about all that. As always, question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page in the story. So, weigh in on that, and then we'll be doing some DMs. If you've got a question for me, slide in those DMs. I'm here for you. Whatever you got to ask. Other people are probably wondering it too. And as always, you can check out past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Coming up, Love Languages. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right. So uh, y'all familiar with the love languages? We've talked about it a little bit on Loveline. I think it's a, a nice entry point. It's a nice starting point, right? To talk to your loved ones, right? Because love languages can apply to children, uh, friends, romantic partners, family members, everyone, right? And the whole concept for those aren't familiar is it's really just reminding us that we all feel loved and cared for and attended to via different roots, right? And that if you can really better understand 
I guess both how you most feel loved and cared for, but also, and most importantly, how those in your life feel loved and cared for, then you can provide that, right? If it's um, time together, that means a lot to them. If it's uh, touch and affection and physicality, good to know. If it's an act of service, which means putting yourself out or doing something for them, being very thoughtful. Sometimes it's words of affirmation, which would be, you know, just letting them know you're thinking about them and you care for them and you care about them. And then for others, it's things like gifts where you give something to them, which kind of ties into um, acts of service a little bit at times. It depends. But again, these aren't solid, concrete things. People can have more than one love language. People can evolve and grow out of one and into another one because these aren't always coming from our best or our mental health. These just are. And it's really good and helpful for us to, again, be able to express to someone, hey, this is how I best feel cared for. But again, also learning how those in your life feel best cared for so that you can make them feel that. And if you're constantly giving them words of affirmation, which means compliments, but yet that's not really how they feel cared for, then that's not going to work. And we tend to act from what works for us. So again, the love languages are really about thinking about others and understanding how to communicate to them. You're important to me. I love you. I care for you. All of that. Now I was looking at someone's, uh, some social media posts and it was a really fascinating reframe where they were looking at love languages, but they were applying it to self-care. So they were looking more at my first definition of love languages, which is about better understanding ourselves. And what are the ways that we most feel loved and cared for and attended to by those, those in our lives? And this um, concept was, okay, what if we apply that to self-care so that we could better understand what forms of self-care would make us feel most cared for? by ourselves, to ourselves, right? Because self-care is something we do for ourselves in an act of just showing that you have worth, right? Like self-care is saying you have worth and you have value and you are worth time, energy, and even money sometimes in order to be cared for. Now, the caveat, as I've shared before, is that there are coping mechanisms and that is whatever we choose in our lives as a way to get by. They're negative and they're positive. They can positively impact us and sometimes negatively. Uh, for instance, overconsumption of drugs or alcohol would be a form of coping, uh, but one that has a negative impact. Self-care is often a form of coping. Self-care is about us kind of taking care of ourselves and getting through, thriving, but it only has a positive impact on us. So again, while coping mechanisms can have both a negative or a positive impact, self-care is only positive. During it and after, we walk away better, better off, in at least neutral, but it doesn't have a negative impact. So this concept was, but what would happen if in better, if in, in service of better understanding who we are and what we need in terms of care, care from the self, how do love languages apply? And I thought it was a really neat perspective because a lot of people think still, and I try to correct this as much as possible, that self-care is all these woo-woo, new age, wellness, influencer kinds of products. And it can be, but most often it's not. The most important acts of self-care cost no money. You don't have to go buy candles and bubble baths and uh, scented whatevers in order to do self-care. For some people, they do. They go buy that expensive diffuser and the and the essential oils. Cool. But you don't need to do that. You can literally focus on self-care based on just what's accessible and around you. And that's why I liked this new framework, right? Because it really spoke to the diversity 
of what's possible, but also it's personalized because if you're doing things that others are doing or you're buying the things that these wellness influencers are trying to sell you and it's not really helping you feel cared for or grounded or nourished or better off, it's probably be, excuse me, it's probably because you went with what was popular or familiar, but it wasn't the right thing for you. Thereby, it wasn't doing the job, right? Um, if you're not feeling cared for or better off, then it wasn't self-care. So let's talk about some of it. So let's look at quality time. If you're one of those people where you most feel loved and cared for by others when they spend time with you, make time for you, right? Connect with you then that's your love language. And it's important for you to let others know, hey, you know, it means a lot when people spend time with me, friends, loved ones. So what would be the forms of self-care that best align with that? It would be when you take time out of your day, when you take time away from others, other people, other priorities, and make it just about you, which is hard for some people. That feels selfish to them. Well, it's not selfish. It's not self-centered. It's self-centering. And it's about self-esteem. You feel that you are worth pushing back on plans with others. You feel like you are worth taking time out of your busy day. You think you are worth going unavailable to engage in these things. That's why self-care is all about the self. It's all about saying, like, I matter too. It's not just about me being available to the needs of everything around me, people and all the different systems, right? So quality time for you in terms of what would be self-care might be things like exercising, taking time out of your busy day to just move your body because it feels good. And that's always the key here. It has to feel good. If exercising or um, working out feels bad, um, it's not something that feels nourishing or restorative, well, then it's not self-care for you. And you need to find something else. So again, quality time people might be someone who does yoga. It might be someone who is into exercising, someone who's into journaling. And again, the key as you're noticing in these is that it's about time away, quality time with yourself, which means you're just with yourself, you're blocking out the rest of the world, and you're carving this out. When we come back, we're going to go more through this, go more through this, go through this more. Uh, I think this is really helpful because a lot of people are very confused as to what this can look like. Uh, as always, though, Question of the Night is up on our Loveline IG page, so weigh in on that. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about love languages, which are usually, you know, really discussed in service of letting the people that you're in a relationship with better understand how to make you feel loved and cared for. But we're taking a little bit of a spin on it and we're saying, okay, well, if you can learn about yourself by asking yourself, what's my love language, acts of, you know, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, time together, touch, what would it mean if I took that same level of self-awareness understanding how I most feel cared for and apply to self-care practices. So as to make sure that I'm engaging in the right ones, the ones that really get the job done and the job in self-care is leaving you nourished, leaving you improved, leaving you better off. It's never depleting. It doesn't stress you out. It's not overwhelming. None of those things then fall under self-care. If you hate going to the gym and working out, that is not self-care. It might be good for your physical health, uh, but it's not good for your mental health. Entering into any process that stresses you out, makes you depressed, makes you sad, feels overwhelming, not leaving you feeling great afterwards, that's not part of mental health. And so what we're saying is that those that really feel loved with quality time, that for them it might be about exercising, gardening, journaling, taking a bath, cleaning your space. Notice how it's all about time alone with yourself and taking time out of your busy day, taking time away from 
you know, what might be spent with others or doing something else, that's when it's most meaningful, right? If it's really easy and there's tons of time and energy and space for it, that's great, congrats. But sometimes it's even more meaningful when it isn't that simple, but we do it anyway. And so quality time can be all those different things that involve, again, building out, building this in, yoga, prayer, stretching, journaling, taking a bath, even things like adult coloring books, which doesn't mean they're adult material as much as it's just an adult using one. So yes, they sell adult coloring books, which are just generalized coloring books. I, I don't, you can use a children's geared one. It, it, it's not the, the image doesn't matter as much as the act of just letting your mind go. It's a form of art. It's a form of release. So don't get so hung up on whether or not it was really built for adults. Um, physical touch. What about those people whose love language is physical touch and affection? Knowing that that's how they most feel loved and cared for, how do we apply that again as an act towards ourselves about self-care? Well, for some people, again, it's things that are gonna involve time with themselves, more embodied, and also touching themselves. So for instance, something like dance. Dance is a really embodied process. So is stretching. So might be getting a massage or giving yourself a massage, right? Skin care moisturizing your body, taking a bath. These are all things that involve tactileness, something tactile, more embodiment, right? Um, acts of service, I thought this is so fascinating, right? So acts of service, again, is traditionally when we're putting ourselves out and doing something for someone. What about when we make that about ourselves? Volunteering. Um, Putting together food, going out and grocery shopping with a recipe or something in mind and you're buying these ingredients, and you're coming home and you're cooking it, that's a big act of service for yourself. You're saying, I am worth getting in my car and driving to the supermarket. I'm worth leaving work early to do that. I'm worth taking some time to cook in my kitchen. I'm worth preparing a meal, if only for me. And I don't need to cook for two, four, six, or eight. I can make something beautiful and stunning for myself. I've seen people even bake, bake themselves really decadent, time-consuming things that no one else is gonna see. They don't do it to put on their IG. They do it for themselves because they're worth whatever that took and they're worth gifting themselves what comes out of all that. That's so stunning. We, we tend to jib ourselves. We tend to very much not give ourselves our full worth. And so again, an act of service could be making your bed because you're worth moving through the room and having it feel not cluttered or messy, right? Um, buying yourself flowers. I love things like that. You're gifting yourself. If it's an act of service, I'm worth walking into the home, seeing something I gave myself, smelling it, having the light, the room brought, a, brought to life by that. I'm worth that. I love that. Finally, finally, we go to um, words of affirmation. What does that look like? I love this. That would be like positive self-talk, making sure you're only going to talk positively about yourself. Maybe you're going to leave yourself little notes, right? That's self-care. I know that I like hearing positivity directed at myself. Well, I can do that for myself, to myself. Making a gratitude list, really powerful. There's so much research behind that. You know, really just logging all the positive things that are going on, especially when things are feeling all bad because it's realistic, it rounds it out. It's, to it's the totality of what's really happening. Um, complimenting yourself, self-help books. You know, things again that are about you and for you. It's not about anyone else. It's not in service of anyone else. So it's just coming at yourself. Um, writing yourself a love letter. Watching an inspiring documentary. You know, as you notice a lot of these things, and then finally we got to end on this. Another important thing is sometimes these acts of self-care are just about setting boundaries with others. Nothing more than that. Not calling someone back. Not answering the phone when they call. You know? Um, 
It's stuff we need to do, especially right now when things are really, really, really tough. We need to have as much love and care around us as we can. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. And uh, later, we're going to be talking about how to be a better ally during the holidays. Yep, holiday talk, because it triggers a lot of people. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, guess what? It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore it with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris. I've been talking to this guy on Bumble for about three months, and he seems really great. It's pretty good these days. Three months for a lot of people, you're able to keep that conversation going. Sometimes it's just like a few few exchanges quickly. Sometimes it's a full day of talking and then they ghost. It's fascinating all the different ways these things go. Three months, oh, you're ready to get married in Bumble years. Uh, so you said, I told my best friend about him and he said he matched with him on Grinder before which it doesn't matter to me how he identifies or if he identifies as anything at all. My question is, how long is an okay time to wait for that discussion? I know we're slowly in, we're early into this. This is very confusing. Um, I know we're super early in my mind. It doesn't tell me there's any guys as well. Ah, this is a female writing this then. Okay, so you have to specify your gender. I thought you were saying you're on Bumble, this person's also on Grindr. If I met them on Grindr, I was going to say, yeah, people are in multiple apps. Sometimes they use things like Bumble for dating and Grindr for sex, even though both can be used for either or. But I think what you're saying is, I know we're early on. My mind, he doesn't tell me he's into guys. Okay, so you're hetero. You think he is bi or gay or some of the mix. Um, okay, and you're saying if he's into guys as well after five months, I feel like he's hiding. Is that reasonable? Okay, got it. So you're trying to figure out how do I approach this conversation with this person knowing that uh, they're on both hetero and gay-based apps. You know, it's a, it's a hybrid, right? Again, people are allowed to have privacy and boundaries. They live in a homophobic, biphobic culture. So it's understandable that some people that are sexually fluid, sexually creative, or bisexual don't come forward and say that, especially to heterosexual identified people because they really assume that if a guy's into guys or has been with guys, then he's gay forever and that bisexuality is not real and that bisexuals are really gay. So please know from the door that anyone that's bi or anything diverse or fluid, that they're going to be very cautious about who they share that with. Most heterosexuals find that very threatening. And so it's understandable that he's waiting for you to prove yourself. Yeah, you need to prove yourself. Heterosexuals often need to prove, just like cisgendered people and white people, you often need to prove that you're an ally, that you're safe to be brought in. Yeah, absolutely. Homophobia and transphobia is real. Racism too, for people that are black or of color. Like, you gotta, you gotta, you know, people with these uh, privileged identities, you have to earn, earn trust. So um, yeah, they didn't tell you. Now, the other thing I always say is if you find out information, right? Like legit find out information, you usually need to bring it forward. So uh, I appreciate where this person's at, but sure, you have a right to say what you know. Hey, my friend has talked to you on Grindr before, so it seems as though you like all genders. I guess my bigger question is though, why does it matter? Uh, I'm going to go with the fact that if they're on Bumble and they've been talking to you for three months, that they also like women and or like you. And so what is it you're really trying to find out? You just want it confirmed that they're also bi? Why? And if you're worried that maybe they're secretly gay, well, then you have some biphobia and you should really put a pause on dating and go kind of do some research around that, get more familiar with that, work on understanding that, being an ally, because those people exist and you're going to encounter them. So I don't actually know you need to bring it up. It's like, I I'm not sure what you're trying to figure out, 
it's been confirmed. This person's on a gay app and a straight app. They're into both. So what are you trying to figure out? If they're really secretly gay? Sure, maybe, but that's probably the minority. I don't believe that people are just spending months on Bumble pretending to be hetero for the fun of it, you know? So I don't know. Good luck with that one. Funny enough, our next topic is allyship. So stick around and listen to our next segment. When we come back, we're going to be talking about how to be a good ally because look, the holiday season's coming. We're not necessarily going home, but how we interact with those around us, especially even on Skype and Zoom. And guess what? At some point, we will be spending the holidays together again. So this stuff matters. We have a lot of work to do around this. You know, this is part of why people, this is why the closet exists because it's not safe to come out because people make all these assumptions. And if we just assumed that every everyone was possibly bi, fluid, or, or gay, we could just kind of move through the world and letting people that hit on us hit on us. And if we're talking to someone, we can trust that they're interested in us. Everyone's not as um, you know deceiving as people tend to think they are. But I know that there's a lot of damage and scars from the dating world. Trust me, a lot of people have been let down. All right, y'all. Coming up next, like I said, we'll be talking about allyship, question of the night. Weigh in on that on our Loveline IG page. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about allyship, how to be an ally. You know, for those that are uh, in the majority, people that are white, cis, hetero, able-bodied, you know, thin, gym-bodied, it's hard for those individuals to understand what it's like to be a uh, exploited or marginalized individual based on your, your body shape, size, skin color, thought process, sexual orientation, gender expression. It's really hard and they don't understand why individuals need allies. And what that means is when we talk about just holiday readiness and safety is I always say to my clients and friends, do you have any allies at the, um, at the dinner table? Do you have any allies at the holiday table? Do you have any allies in your family? Do you have any allies? It's, it's important for those people to know that there's someone there that has their back while they're there and even when they're, when they're not there. And I think sometimes what you do when someone's not around is actually even more profound and meaningful because you're starting to normalize respect you are not allowing people to get away with saying problematic things. Even if they're not there, it's still maintaining and strengthening that system and the acceptability of thinking that way. And when you start to say, hey, listen, I'm not comfortable with you talking that way in front of me um, or talking about this person that we all know and care for in that way, you're, you're starting to challenge. And that challenge might make those people go, you know what, you're right. And they needed to be confronted. Um, you don't have to do it disrespectfully, but you can set a boundary and say, I'm not open to hearing that. I'm not open to talking in that way. They deserve better, whatever it is. But, but be, be part of that change. You know, why would you not want people to feel safe around you and others? And if you're going to try to invite someone home or someone into an environment, please also take the responsibility to make sure it's a safe one. I very much support individuals saying, I'm not coming home because it's not a safe environment or I'm not going to that holiday celebration. There are unsafe people there. No one there's an ally or the opposite. Telling someone, yeah, you can't expect your partner who's fat or black or gay or whatever it is or trans to go home with you to those unsafe environments. You need to be a better ally by saying, I would never bring you into that. Or talking to your family saying, you all need to get that in check because I'm not going to make my partner or friend or loved one enter such an unsafe environment. Allyship is needed. 
Um, there's there's so many stories of so much violence still against fat bodies um, being misdiagnosed, everything being blamed on their fatness and being shamed and their food is tracked. There's still so much violence around gay people and trans individuals. That's not safe. People are dead named and misgendered. Um, people of color with racist commentary and jokes and people saying, oh, we're just being funny, get over it. And there's so much mess that different individuals have to encounter that they have a right to push back on that. And remember, straight people are the ones that create and sustain homophobia. So it's on straight people to step up and be an ally and end it. Racism is created and, and maintained by white people. So it's on us white people to dismantle, challenge, and erase that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? It shouldn't be on black people or gay people to say, hey, can you please treat me with respect? <laughs> I'm gonna be coming home because you're my family or I'm coming home with a family member of yours. Can you please be kind? to me, they shouldn't have to advocate for themselves like that. The larger majority-based empowered systems need to check themselves. And being an ally is about helping to create that and let your family members or that space know this is no longer how we're moving forward. That is no longer going to work. That is not appropriate here. And if you think that way, you keep it to yourself or you don't come. It shouldn't be on the exploited individual to not attend. It should be on those in positions of power to make it safe. And those at the top of the hierarchy or however high up you can go, use your power in a positive way. It's called using your privilege beneficially. Make sure that those below you, especially for the matriarch or patriarch of a family, let them know we're not, we're not doing that anymore. We're not doing that here. This home is now a safe space for everyone, right? So how do you do that? Well, first is always language. Even though they're not there or they are there, languaging is normalizing. Language is often the foundation upon which we start pushing the boundary and getting more and more hateful or letting violence fester. So shut down problematic language immediately. We should only be discussing all individuals with respect right? Also around boundaries. Don't talk about someone's gender expression. Don't talk about someone's masculinity or femininity. Don't talk about someone's body, whether they gained weight or lost weight. Talk to the person about the person themselves. But to be talking about these generalized characteristics of how masculine they look or what they're wearing or their body shape or size, that isn't the, the, that isn't the core of who they are and where they are, right? That's often the entry point for people to really shame um, meet the person where they're at, right? Also, just letting you, them know that you're an ally. Ask them how you can be there for them. Ask them what support or care they might need. Uh, let them know you're available. You know, Let them know that there's that one person that they can look to, literally and symbolically, if they need a little care or support, someone who has their back. I can't tell you how hard it is for some of these individuals to imagine going home, um, having no one who's in their corner. It's really, really important and it saves lives. We know it studies just, you know, gay individuals and trans individuals, because these are the people that the studies were done on, if they know that they have at least one person in their life that cares about them, it can reduce the suicide risk exponentially, you know? Um, not to mention everything else, keeping people sober, keeping people safe, all those things matter. So um, try to be a part of that, that process. You know, why would we not want to be a part of that change? Uh, all right, when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit more about this as well as uh, what's going on on Twitter. Stick around to find out more about that. Uh, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And we were talking in our last segment about being an ally. And I think it's important. And all of us have a role in being an ally. Um, even if you're in every single exploited, marginalized, minority-based identity, you can still be an ally. 
And, you know, I, 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 Laverne Cox, God bless her, went public talking about a recent uh, transphobic attack. I, I don't know how, how much of the news you all are following, but uh, gay individuals, queer individuals, trans individuals are still murdered in certain countries legally, just literally murdered in plain sight. Um, and even in our country, people are still gay bashed and trans bashed. And so we need to remind people, yeah, this is still going on. Yeah, this still matters. We also have Elliot Page, um, who's going by he and they love it. Welcome Elliot. Um, you know, Elliot from having acted in movies like Juno. Um, was it, what, uh, what was that? Oh man, I don't know his filmography, but, um, I love when people feel safe and willing to come out and these public figures doing so is it's really beneficial. It really normalizes for people. Oh, here we go. Elliot was in Juno and also Netflix's The Umbrella Academy. Sorry, I had to ask because I am not, that's not my world. Um, okay, so you're all going to be working on being a better ally when you're, in, when you're present, when you're not present, whenever you're speaking to people, call people out lovingly, one-on-one. -on -one. Hey, listen, I, I, I noticed that joke you just made. Let me let you know why that's really not okay and doesn't feel good to me. I do it all the time. I'm big on being an activist in every situation. I don't, you know, silence is complicity. Uh, someone says something racist and you're quiet, mm, you supported racism. You really did. Silence doesn't let you off the hook because it's not just about being um, not racist. It's about being anti-racism. And being anti-racism means you shut it down in all of its manifestations. Same thing with homophobia. It's not enough to be like, well, I'm not a homophobe. Great. Be anti-homophobia, which means you call it out and help dismantle and erase it in any dynamic with which it exists. We need people to take that stuff seriously. It matters. Um, people are still coming out as gay and trans and not getting the care, love, and support. And some people don't feel safe doing so at all because they still see how difficult it is. Especially we look at people like Laverne Cox, um, well-received, very talented, well-known, and still struggling in some of these ways. Imagine what that's like for others who are less empowered. Um, also, pushing forward out of that, moving on to a new topic, I was looking at an article and it was tracking and talking about how fast Trump is losing Twitter followers. And well, number one, I think it's because we're losing interest in him, which is great. Uh, a lot of people were following him just to track the train wreck, not because they were a, uh, a supporter of his, but he was the president. They wanted to know what was going on in the country. So I'm glad everyone's unfollowing him and saying, look, we can, you know, it's only so many days left of his you know, presidency. We can move on and away from, and I hope we get to a point where media stops reporting on his ridiculousness because it's ongoing and it's consistently ridiculous and all over the place. Um, I never followed him. I just couldn't stomach seeing his face and his diatribe popping up. But for those that have, it's time for us to slowly start moving away from that. Um, and then I finally just wanted to close out on uh, the idea that, look, seasonal affective disorder, we've talked about this before. It's when people are affected by the seasons around them. I have it from sun and heat in the summer, start to get really depressed and anxious. For most people though, it's when it gets darker. It's in the cooler weather. And what really helps is a lot of sunlight. It's about light. It's about the loss of light and the way they really work through seasonal-based depression is with light therapies. And the heads up is just that it might be hard this year because it's happening on top of an already fragile foundation uh, psychologically and also in terms of access to self-care. We don't, we're not out in the world in the way we normally were. We're already feeling maybe a little depressed and anxious because of the election stress still, you know, got a hangover from that. And also COVID, the numbers are spiking. We're not sure when the vaccines are going to be hundred percent ready, et cetera, et cetera, worried about getting infected. And so seasonal effects,
affective disorder happens right on top of all that. You know what I mean? And so remember, we can't isolate it out. It's going to be happening in the middle of a tsunami of all these other psychological, emotional struggles. So what does that mean? It means expect it. Expect it to be harder. And the solution to that is start all, start now. Don't wait until you're like, wow, I'm really hyper depressed. It might be due to the season and the darkening of the weather and the loss of light. Start now getting outside in the sunlight, getting as much sunlight as possible. Start now opening your windows and the blinds. Start now going for walks every day. Start building that in. Start also saying, what are some new forms of coping? Because I don't want to keep relying on coping that further depresses me. And if you're doing things like a lot of drinking and drugs or eating foods that leave you not feeling good, you're you're helping depress yourself. You're working against yourself. You need to be working towards and for yourself, right? By only starting to build and engage in things that leave you better off, if not neutral. Hear me say it again. Better off if not neutral. We don't want to be piling on more complicated thoughts and feelings and mood struggles, you know? Unfollowing crappy things, watching things that make us feel good, going for walks, getting sunlight, eating nutritious foods when accessible and possible, moving our bodies every single day for a certain amount of time, every day, dance, move. I don't care what you do, go for walks, doesn't matter. 30 minutes every day, start to build these things in because we want to come out of all this better off, but us therapists are looking at the fact that it's going to be harder this winter for many people. Add to that, not spending the holidays in the ways we used to, not spending them at all maybe, maybe being isolated. All of that amplifies. And that's always our concern right now is the amplification of what would already be as a result of everything else that's going on and is coming our way. Again, an isolated holiday on top of COVID, on top of the election stuff, on top of already having seasonal affective um, struggles. You know, so we don't want to make it harder by adding all these other complicating factors on top of that. You want to start loosening, letting go, letting go of everything, not catastrophizing. You know what I mean? Downplaying everything. Everything's knocked down a few notches. We're letting everything go. Stay up a little later. Eat that junky food if you need to. You know, we're being kinder on ourselves. (laughs) We're trying to come out of this as as good as possible. So, um, yeah. Start setting that tone for your family members and loved ones. Like, we're, we're going to get through this. Uh, all right, coming up next, question of the night. That is on our Loveline IG page in the stories. And then we're going to be closing out by sliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop them into our Loveline page. And uh, producer Alex will uh, get that going. Oh, man. And if you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, go over to wearechannelq.com. Binge them, share them, re-listen. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, and now it's time for a question of the night. Tonight's question of the night is, be honest. How early is too early to put up holiday decorations? This one's funny to me. When I lived back in the suburbs, I remember that used to irk my mom. She was always like, it's too soon, it's too soon. But part of that is she didn't have enough ego strength to decide for herself when it was time. I think she felt pressured to start setting up for Christmas, which is a holiday that we celebrated um, as soon as she saw other people doing it. And it was like, you don't have to move at that pace. Like it's, you know, for some people setting up a tree early, brings a lot of joy. Um, there's a lot of people that start decorating prior to Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving for those that celebrate that. Um, there's no right time to do anything. You know what I mean? Go with what's comfortable for you. So when's the right time when you feel ready? When's the right time when you feel most comfortable and desirous of seeing a tree? It's a rough year. 
surround yourself with tons of holiday music, sounds, sights, smells, whatever it is that makes you happy. I want everyone to just focus on joy and pleasure right now in all domains. Eat foods that make you happy. Do things that give you joy. Stop worrying about what you think you're supposed to do or what other people are doing. That's not mental health. Mental health is who am I? What do I want? What do I need? What feels good to me? Period. So the question is how early is too early to put up decorations? Someone said pre-Thanksgiving. Okay, for you. <laughs> I didn't write this question of the night. So the snarkiness just comes from, I don't like the idea that there's a certain way to do things, right? I mean, care about how we impact others, but something like this decorating doesn't. But sure, for you, pre-Thanksgiving, I appreciate that. Some people say, let's get let's get into the winter deeper. Others, they, you know, it's year round, you know, never makes you happy. Someone else said, uh, how early is too early to put up holiday decorations? Someone said, this entire year. Let's just fast forward to next February. I appreciate that too. Some people are kind of like, it's really hard to take holidays serious right now. It's really hard to drop down and settle into them. Um, <laughs> it brings up a lot of loneliness and sadness. For a lot of people, it brings up lack, right? It brings up the, the all the feelings about what we don't have, what we can't have, where we can't be, who we can't see. So it's lack that brings that's brought up for some people. Uh, someone else said, question is, how early is truly to put up decorations? Someone else said, before Thanksgiving, we don't need trees before then. Okay. Do you? Some people do. Um, <laughs> I'm not putting up anything this year for anyone that's curious. I just don't have the energy. I just don't. And it's not It's not meaningful to me. I'm, I'm one of those people where, if for me, based on who I am, I'm going to engage whatever feels comfortable as I get closer. But right now, I don't need to be thinking about it. It doesn't hold any meaning for me. For me, Christmas was really about spending time with others. And if I'm going to be self-isolating, um, then eh. However, I will be driving the coast. I'm getting in my car uh, with someone else. We both you know, are tested and masked and we're in a relationship. And we're going to be driving the coast, getting out of LA, you know, isolated, <sighs> hiking, looking at the ocean. So even then, I won't be celebrating Christmas. Those things just aren't important to me. Honestly, they're not. If I'm with family and it's meaningful to them, that's cool. If I had kids, I could see doing it for them because it can bring joy and pleasure to their life. But I, I personally just don't need it. Uh, again, question eight, how early is truly to put up decorations? Someone said November is too early. But this COVID year, it's okay for people to put decorations up early. Gives us something to do. See, that's it too. <laughs> Gives us something to do. People are often looking for projects. <laughs> Decorating a Christmas tree is a lot of work. You can really go to town on that bad boy putting it up, decorating it and taking it back down. But that's what I think is great about Christmas. If you want to do it, the costume, the costumes, <laughs> the sweaters that look like costumes, the baking, the music, the full decorating. Like I appreciate it. Putting lights outside. I get it. That's so sweet. If that is you all in, do it. I just don't have it in me. Not this year. I'm tired. You know what I mean? Like I'm all about rest. I'm in rest mode. Uh, somebody else said during these times, Put it up now. I put mine up way before Turkey Day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this year, we've queered this year. Que to queer something means non-normative, the non-traditional. That's what queer really means. It's not about sexual orientation. It's really a academic word about just being non-normative. Um, someone else said November 10th. Okay, I don't know why that, that felt very random to me, but all right. Question of the night is how early is too early to put up the holiday decorations? Someone else said it's never too early. If it brings you joy, who cares? That's how I live my life. You know what I mean? Do you, whatever feels great to you. Just be aware of your impact on others. And something like this doesn't, so live your best. Um, there are some people that are diehard traditionalists and they think that like no Christmas music, no decorations till after uh, Indigenous People's Day or Thanksgiving, because people still use that word. Um, 
and it's like a hard line, you know what I mean? Which I think is, I think hard lines are really funny because they're so arbitrary, you know, they really, really are. It's so preferential to like your own personal thoughts and feelings that are driven by like not really much of anything. Cause I think the holiday mus- movies, they've been out for a while now, right? Someone else said, uh, anytime before December one is too early. Okay. You want, you want it, you want it pushed back. Uh, and then someone else said, November one, let's enjoy Halloween. Do we even have Halloween this year? Like, I know I'm an advocate for it being different, which doesn't mean it's bad or broken or canceled, but like, I don't know. I I wish we could get comfortable just letting things go for the year. So many people are forcing events, award shows, like let it go. (laughs) I got invited to some things and I'm like, I don't want to. That doesn't sound fun. It feels so forced. Let it go. We'll come back next year. All right, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty, we are back, and uh, time to slide back into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world. We want you to explore it with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, kind of struggling with something. My partner and I basically moved in together at the beginning of the pandemic. See, here we go, right? I get it, though. That's a lot of anxiety. Some people had nowhere else to go. It was an act of care, an act of curiosity. You know, we'll figure it out. If it doesn't work, you can move out, which actually is true. You can, if you have the means. For some people, that's a huge ordeal that cannot happen as easily. Uh, the question says, though, I've always knew, I always knew she smoked weed, but because of the stress, which is a hundred percent understandable, she's been smoking all day, every day. That's tough. It's tough. The smell, the the outcome. It's hard if you're not smoking weed to be around someone who's high. Very, it can feel very disconnected or not, but apparently for you it does. I appreciate that though. Um, I don't drink. I don't want to be around people that are drinking. It is so annoying. It's so annoying. It just is so disconnected. Different, different language, different behaviors, different cognitive lens. Like very hard. So I appreciate this. Um, but I'm glad you see it's understandable. This is how this person's choosing to cope. A lot of people are bored. You know, they're finding ways to self-soothe, also just finding ways to get through the day. For those that aren't working, the day feels very long, very, very, very long. And also some people are lonely. And marijuana for many is a way to kind of just shave down some of the sharp edges and just disconnect a little bit. I'm here for it. Um, your question says, the only times I have a problem is when she can't function. Oh, she'll fall asleep mid-conversation. Or last week she forgot she left a candle on. We left the house to go shop. And when we came back, the candle was still burning. How can I tell her now her smoking's becoming dangerous? Well, by telling her. I mean, that's the best answer to some of these things. You have to tell them. There's not always a best way. Sometimes it's sometimes your questions are phrased as like, what's the best way? And what you're really saying is, I'm anxious. I know you're anxious. <clears throat> you do it anyway. There's no way to not be anxious, you know? Unless your partner has been shown to be someone who isn't able to handle you sharing what what is impacting you. And I want us to all create relationships where our partners can come to us and our friends and our family members and say, hey, listen, can I let you know what it's been like to be in this relationship? We need to be able to hear that. But if your partner is someone who you can talk to, do it. And if not, work on that. Maybe that's what this is really telling you, that I'm in a relationship with someone who I live with and I'm not even comfortable discussing the impact their marijuana use is having on me. Well, then maybe you actually start with, let me start building on having the ability to have more intimacy. Let me start having more transparent conversations and work my way up to that. Because that's a psychological message in here. I can't even really talk to the person I'm living with. 
that's that's a red flag. So I'm learning about you and the kind of relationship you've built. So again, practice more intimacy, practice being more vulnerable. Maybe that's what you work up to, or maybe that's your big jumping off point. Hey, this is really hard to talk about, but I need to let you know that the marijuana has really been hard on me. Can we talk about it? You don't confront people, you share. You discuss, hey, let's talk about what this means. Maybe they'll say, yeah, I agree. Or maybe they'll say, wow, I wasn't aware. Thank you for telling me. Or maybe they'll say, I don't care. I don't know. But you talk about it. You step into your anxiety. You let them know what your thoughts are. And we're also talking about safety. They're like nodding out and leaving candles burning. I mean, you also live there too. So feel free to do a little walk around your apartment or home and just make sure things are turned off or whatever. I mean, whether someone's high or not, it's okay to check to make sure your place is safe when you leave because even people that aren't high can leave candles burning and the stove on like that's just part of life sometimes but yeah if they're nodding out midway in the conversation well then you're not really able to connect so it's fair to say can there be nights where you don't smoke so we can just really connect like that's appropriate i was in a relationship with someone who smoked a lot and i would say that hey can you choose a few nights where you're not high because I didn't smoke at that time. And I was like, and we can then be on the same page and then other times do your thing. You know what I mean? Um, I also had a rule about not smoking in my home because at that time it was my home and I didn't want the smell of smoke everywhere. So it was like, go outside in the backyard and uh, choose some times where you're not high because that can be really annoying. <laughs> All right, y'all, good luck with that. But uh, again, see it as a bigger message that it's hard for you to have difficult conversations in that relationship and you want to work on that because there'll be other things that will come up, not just this weed. All right, y'all, that is our show. You can check out past episodes by going to wearechannelq.com. Uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about mental health during a pandemic and also pronouns. Yes, the importance of pronouns. It's in the news because of Elliot Page. I'm glad when these things get brought up. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out with me, and you have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.